This is a crowd podcast. Hello, I'm Geraint Thomas. And I'm Tom Fordyce. And you've just entered the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. Brought to you by Zwift, the indoor cycling app. Jump on your smart trainer and jump into Zwift. Kreuzer, or welcome. So, G, I've got a question for you at the start of this week, and it pertains to the latest cyclocross race that I did in the Northwest Cyclocross League the other day. Now, the race I'd done two weeks before, I actually got a slightly better result. Now, this is all obviously relative um, because you are the person who wins races in the GTCC partnership. But I wondered, so on Sunday, I did slightly worse overall, but because I started quite badly, I spent the race coming through the field to a certain extent. Whereas the time before, I spent the race ever so slightly going backwards. And the feeling of going through the race was magnificent compared to the feeling of going backwards through the race. Does that happen at your level? Um, before we get into that, have you, do you get lapped? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, cool. I just wanted to but know in my defence, what happens is that my age category, which staggeringly enough is 40 to 49 goes off at the same time as the senior men. In fact, the senior men get a one-minute head start, so they get a bit of time on the course. Uh. So fundamentally, I'm racing against the equivalent in the Northwest Cyclocross League of the elites of the very best. So yes, occasionally (laughs) slash always I get lapped, but they get a head start. Uh, Don't worry about it. What about the 50 to 59 then? Because you've got to be in that category soon. (laughs) I'm hanging on. Honestly, two years' time, I'm going to be racing against 59-year-olds. Have a bit of that, boys. (laughs) <laughs> but um no as you say and i for a start i wouldn't get hung up on your finishing position tom because you know like football managers if you have a great performance but you can still end up losing there might be a few real strong 40 year olds that come down from scotland or over from wales you know it's not the same field every week so don't get hung up on that but um yeah i can see uh what you're saying about having a bit of a slow start and then passing people and it's always good for morale that isn't it but a good start trying to hang on to some faster people is always quite good as well until you get dropped and as you say start slipping through the field so just keep doing what you're doing Tom. There was a moment in the race two weeks ago where because obviously if people haven't ridden cyclocross before this is how it works you do a certain number of laps or you do a certain number of laps in the time you have plus one lap so if you were to be overtaken by the leader as you're approaching the finish line, you could basically shave a lap off. Does that make sense? So if you were to just about hold the leader off as you went through the finishing line, on his final lap, you'd have to complete that lap. So there was a point in this race two weeks ago where one of the commissaires saw me and just (laughs) basically warned me that race leader was about 30 seconds back. And if I were just to soft pedal a little bit through the final few corners, I could save myself an extra lap. I feel like you're just trying to make it easier for yourself there, Tom, which isn't the attitude we want. I'm sure, G, that I'm not the only representative of the GTCC racing at the moment. Perhaps we've even got some winners out there. So if we have, get in touch. In the meantime, I have found, G, since we brought out our lovely GTCC jerseys and I started wearing mine in races, it has become quite the social place to be. So the last race I did, finished the race, stepped off the bike, and I was doing my usual routine of being sick in a nearby hedge when uh, two GTCC members came up and we had a nice conversation about the Remco episode, about the Fred Wright episode. And um, yeah, I was able to speak after about, I don't know, a minute as I wiped things off my face and it was all very nice. (laughs) 
Yeah, you can actually race for the Garantama Cycling Club as well now. It's officially a club, right? Exactly, yeah. It's in the race results. My boys have got Garantama Cycling Club as their primary club on British Cycling. So yeah, stick it on your list if you're a GTCC member and let's get some wins in. Yeah, and you can still buy the jerseys as well and rep us, especially when you're crossing the line further in front of than Tom. You're finishing a lot sooner. Oh, I don't know, with the whole lap thing and whatever you've got going on there. I kind of didn't really understand what you're saying there, Tom. But <laughs> basically, wear the jerseys with pride, finish in front of Tom. Enhance the jerseys. What about your riding, Gina? You're back into training. I hear there's been some issues with the gearing on your bike. Oh, blimey, Charlie. So today I had to, um, I did like a five hour ride or something. Stopped for a nice little coffee after about three and a half. Then I had to get back because I was taking Max to, he was going to tennis actually going to be the new Federer watcher space or oh, he loves it fair play so I had to get back to him the start the gears are working fine then 10 minutes later they just stopped working and I'm like oh as one of the boys like unplugged my the cable from my rear mech at the lights or something but that was in nothing something faulty and then they start working again and then they stop and then they start working again so I'm speaking to a mechanic from the team and apparently there's batteries in our levers as well these days so they that could be running low. And I was just like rising home thinking, what a pain in the in the bum. <laughs> like, like I get the whole innovation and improving everything, but cables were so much easier, weren't they? What is the actual advantage of having the, the battery-powered ones? Is it just slightly smoother? I've absolutely no idea, mate. Because it's not going to save Bluetooth. you energy, is it? You connect Bluetooth to your levers. I don't know what <gasps> you do, but yeah, it's like a bloody spaceship these days, bikes. And my power meter was running low, I had to charge that. Then you have to charge your gears, and then your Garmin's, what, 10% left? Oh, it's a nightmare these days, Tom. We should design something, actually. You just put your bike against the wall, and they all just charge up. How good would that be? I think you've got them in the team already. It's called a head mechanic. (laughs) Yeah, not home, though. I kind of need a head (laughs) mechanic at home as well. I think I've said this before, but of all the various things that you get as an elite pro cyclist, um, you can probably keep the five-hour daily rides um you can keep having to eat steamed fish and spinach what i would love <laughs> is to be able to end of my ride just to shove my bike at someone and for it to come back clean pristine and in full working order for the next ride yeah that that is good at a race or a training camp yeah and then you just get a massage as well while they're sorting out the bike for you it's not a bad life is it really maybe <laughs> i'll just keep going just do five more years has anyone actually done that has anyone actually unplugged your gearing when you've been looking the other way uh, I've done it to a few people. It, it just <laughs> happens, you know. Just like suddenly they're stuck in a, you know, you have a coffee stop or a club ride or whatever, and um, a group ride or whatever, and yeah, you um, end up just dropping them. They have to stop plugging back in. You all start rotating, you know, make it hard for them to catch you back up. Bants in it, Tom. Who is the most amusing person in the team to do that to? Uh, well, to be honest, whoever's pushing on a bit this time of year <laughs> you know when i'm struggling a bit someone like dylan do it to dylan he, he gets quite wound wound up by it as well you know uh, <laughs> dutch people they don't have a sense of humor <laughs> well we may find out shortly g with this week's guest but any talking about grumpiness any updates on your downstairs neighbor who disappointingly me and louise didn't get to meet when we came over to see you because he'd been much hyped well max he was out on the balcony yesterday he calls him the naughty neighbor now and i was like naughty max neighbor. Does. Yeah, I was like, what was he done? He said he hit someone then, Max. <gasps> the naughty neighbour hit someone. I was like, I'm not sure he did that, Max. You can't just lie, but he is a bell end. But 
<laughs> but yeah, anyway, him. I haven't seen him for a while. I've done a few Swift rides now. I've got a new turbo as well. So actually do it in the kitchen as well because that's a bit further away. You know, just trying to keep the peace. But yeah, he he hasn't come up and complained yet. So I think we're all right. New turbo in the kitchen, but it's, but it's hot in that kitchen because generally the tumble dryer has been just turned off or been cooking in there. Oh man, these club rides, they're nice and steady, but whew, I don't have sweat in there. Do you know what, with your neighbour downstairs, I'm wondering if you need to pop in and see him before Christmas, because it almost feels like the script for next year's John Lewis Christmas ad. These two warring neighbours, he doesn't like the sound of your turbo <laughs> trainer, Max thinks he's punched someone incorrectly, you've called him a bell end, and then he unwraps a gift for you at Christmas, and he's like, what's this, I hate that bloke upstairs. And it's his own turbo trainer. Possibly, but then I've got to buy him a turbo, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather just buy him earplugs, Tom. <laughs> it doesn't quite have the same Christmassy message, but okay, if that works for you, that's what we'll do. Okay, well, if they're Santa headphones. Perfect. You get those, we'll get a guest on. Let's do it. Gee, I am delighted to announce that we have got Momentous back on board as a sponsor for Series 3 of the GTCC. Momentous, a little bit like you, G, are dedicated to optimising both the mind and body, and they're leading the way for high-performance seekers at all levels. Right, so for those not familiar with Momentous, G, tell us all about their flagship product. Yeah, so PR lotion is something I've used on my body for years, Tom. It basically delivers bicarb directly to your muscles via your skin and bypasses the gut, which I don't know if you've ever drunk bicarb, Tom, but that's a big plus. The best time to use it, I find, is an hour and a half before your workout on Zwift or out on the road or whatever you're doing. And it's not too sticky either. It doesn't get stuck in your hairs if you've forgotten to shave. And it definitely helps me train harder. All of this is true, G. It is actually scientifically proven to improve performance and decrease muscle soreness and helps you make all those training goals. If you want to get your hands on some PR lotion, Momentus are giving GTCC members, that's you listening right now, yes you, 25% off. Give them the code G. Just head over to PRLotion.com and use the code GTCC2022 to get 25% off today. Enjoy. Here at Mindset Win, we want to give you the tools to become better at what you do. Taking inspiration and wisdom from our guests, we will hear stories, strategies, tips and tricks. Told by leading names in sport and beyond. Who know what it takes to get to the very top. There will be two episodes each week packed with amazing stories and practical takeaways for us all to follow. Search for Mindset Win on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. We're joined today by a rider that has such a long and awesome palmares or list of wins. Uh, I think we'll be here all day if, uh, if I named them all. So we'll go with the big ones. So bear with me and see, see how I get on. Right. She's won the Olympic road race. That was in 2016 in Rio. Three Giro d'Italias. Flesh Wallone on seven consecutive seasons, which is crazy. Liège Baston Liège twice. Tour Flanders, Amstel Gold, Strada Bianchi. Newsblad, European Road Race, also Worlds, I think, twice, Worlds TT as well. So I'm sure there's plenty more, but welcome to the pod, to the GTCC, Anna van der Breggen. Thank you. Hi. Thanks for joining. Did I get, that's the majority of your big, big wins? 
I think, I hope. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Fair play. Because the one that stands out to me, I know I'm going to, um, I know we're jumping straight in here now, but was the one in um, Rio. Because I was obviously there. It was just a brutal course, wasn't it? A lot of crashes in our race and your women's race. Of, uh, was it Van Vluten that had that big crash in, from from Holland as well? Yeah. That must have been, uh, well, actually, no, I'm, I'm just picking the Olympics, but what out of all them what's your sort of uh what's your biggest one are you most proud of that's a tough question but yeah of course becoming olympic champion for me that year was was crazy because it was actually the first big big win but i must say if i need to pick one i think that will be the world championship in innsbruck yeah becoming first time world champion is i mean it's something special and i already try to be world champion for so many times on different disciplines and that was the first time it really worked so that was really uh yeah i mean if something is not working for a couple of times and then in the end it is that i think that gives you the best feeling yeah that was a brutally hard circuit as well wasn't it from what i remember i didn't ride i was probably drunk at the time after winning the tour but it was uh that was a brutal circuit from what i remember yeah, that one was crazy. There was a, a bit of a flat start and then like three laps with a climb and a downhill and then some small in town in between, but mostly just climbing or downhill. So actually, uh, yeah, I mean, I did many training camps already there at that place. Also, I reckoned the course many times and I, I must say I really liked the course. So I was, uh, yeah, it was a really nice one to win. Was that one of those days, Anna, where all the planning that you do before a big race and all the physical preparation and all the different tactics that you think of when it all just comes together exactly as you want it to? Yeah, I think so. Because sometimes you really work towards a goal and then it's there and, you know, it's just not or, or it's not the shape or something goes wrong that it's. Yeah, I mean, that day I just was feeling so good on the bike also that you have some days I had some in my career, but I, I still remember that one so good that I was just not feeling anything. And that's, yeah, you don't have many days on the bike like that. So to have it on a world championship day, yeah, it uh, <laughs> was good planning. Yeah, I was going to say those days are so special, so unique when you have a day like that. It's almost like sometimes you're on the start line and I don't know, you're kind of like, today's going to be a good day even well, before you've even turned the pedals it's weird sometimes but yeah as you say once you go in and you're kind of in that race and you're looking around you're like what is like you're all you hear on the radio so and so is getting dropped like a good rider and you're like why are they getting dropped now like this isn't that bad and then you look around you're like actually there's only 10 of us here it must be pretty tough so yeah yeah exactly that yeah sometimes you're not even noticing and you look around i had it one time and then I, I, I said to my teammates, like, why why you drop? And they, they were angry about that <laughs> afterwards, of course. <laughs> because I really, I didn't realize I had, that was one race in Giro. I had such good legs. But those days you don't have many, many times. So it's really, you should enjoy it when you have it. So you're, you're a DS now, aren't you? Do you ever say that to the riders now? Like, why'd you drop then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I must say it's more difficult from the car because you don't feel it. So no, I never say that. You sometimes you can see who's having a good day, but yeah, it's still guessing. It must be a big difference because there's a few guys in our team that used to be riders and are now DSs, and they they just say it's just so much harder. Like as in you're a lot busier, it's a lot more tiring. Like racing the bike was easy, uh, 
Yeah, exactly that. I mean, I, I did it for one year now and it's you're more busy. It's different. It's not like you have to train every day and you're not always tired. You're different tired, like not having enough sleep, for example. But yeah, you just, you can do many things always. So it's never finished also. And And when you train, you train for the day and then you, you know, tick the box, that's it. And you rest. So it's really, you know, I knew in front, what sport directors are doing and and you see them many times. I mean, in your whole career, you see sport directors, but until the point you do it yourself, uh, I never realized they, (laughs) they do so much actually. Um, So if, if I can do it different now, I I would thank them more in my career, but um, yeah, I mean, it's really nice job to do, but it's more busy than I, than I was before. I have that feeling. Yeah. Are you the sort of DS Anna that you thought you would be or has sitting in a team car given you a different perspective on what you used to do as a rider? Oh, that's a good question. Um, no, I mean, you cannot change yourself. So you stay the same person um, on the bike or in the car. I think it's the same. But, uh, you know, as a rider, in the end, you ride like a team. But if it's up to yourself how you are what you do and at one point if you don't agree with something it's like yeah well whatever and then then you are responsible for your own right in the end and as a sport director you need to take care of of the whole team so um when i had on the bike sometimes the feeling yeah i thought we can do this different but i shut up like now i need to say something from that and that was difficult in the beginning like yeah if you think about, ah, uh, they should know it. They, they, you know, everybody's responsible and they probably know it. Now you need to say like everything. And before I was not a rider like doing that. I mean, I always had like, yeah, everybody has his own responsibility, but I'm responsible now. So that's a big difference. Yeah, I was going to say that stands out. Like when you're a rider, all you worry about is yourself. Like obviously tactics not come into play, but you don't ever think or how is this person doing? You don't look into it that much, you know? It's just like, if he can do his job and whatever, that's good. But now as a DS, I guess you got to, you're thinking about each individual's race plan in as much detail as they are almost. So yeah, it must be a lot more intense. Yeah. And just dealing with different people as well. Like, you know, like yeah. you have to be a psychologist in a way as well, haven't you? You've got to get the best out of everyone. Yeah. Some people need a an iron fist. Other people like Tom need a, arm around the shoulder and a bit of a cuddle you know it's, it's knowing how to deal with people i guess yeah i mean as a rider you you ride with teammates and you think about each other until a certain point and like now you need to think for six riders so it's a lot more thinking yeah yeah, yeah. it strikes me a bit as it's when you're a rider you're like a teenager because you know you are quite self-centered and then if you're a rider who becomes a ds it's like that transition to becoming a parent when suddenly you're the responsible one and you're looking after the the ones who you used to be with. <laughs> Actually, that's a, that's a pretty good one. I feel more grown up now, <laughs> I must say. <laughs> I mean, it's different uh, because you need to take care of, of everybody, not only the riders, of course, also staff and yeah, everything around it. So sometimes it's easy as a rider, you know? Uh, you take care of yourself and when you're good, everybody's happy. And that's that's a bit more easy life than, yeah, when you did some good as a sport director for some persons, you still have a lot left. So never finished. Exactly. And I'm sure you've been through this before. So sorry if um, you're repeating yourself, but how come you stopped? Why? Because like, you're still young. Like Yeah, I mean, 
I think it's a feeling which is coming at a certain point. And for me, it was like, um, in some races, I just felt motivation was less. And um, I mean, I always like changes. Also, when I still was a rider, I liked different races. I liked uh, different disciplines. Um, and at one point, you know, you have goals for yourself that you really want to reach. But I, I, I won more and more races. And at one point, I was like, yeah, I'm... I felt like ready for something new. I, I was still winning races, but then if it's not like you cross the finish line, you win and it's not doing so much anymore for yourself. Um, at that point, I realized I was more winning for the team and for my teammates than actually for myself. And that made training and motivation for training also more difficult. And I think that, yeah, if you, yeah, for sure you know it yourself, if you want to be the best rider, your motivation should be, every day again as high as possible and and i could feel like that was not the case anymore yeah yeah when you know you know yeah then then you know it's time to do something different mm. i guess the commitment as well is big isn't it like i've always said like people especially now i'm 36 37 next year and everyone's asking me how much longer how much longer one more year and i'm kind of like <laughs> it's basically it's, it's in your head like it's if you're still 100 percent you still love riding your bike, you still love pushing your body, you can still commit to like on the diet. The diet is by far the hardest thing for me. So yeah, like if you can do all that, tick those boxes, then you can carry on, like look at Valverde, you know? But yeah, as soon as that starts to wane a bit, and especially someone of your caliber who's won the biggest races numerous times, it's hard to keep that going, isn't it? Cause you don't want to be someone just riding around and I say just helping people, like it's a bad thing, but you know, every team needs domestiques and people to help. But once you've done it at the very, very top, to slowly go down the ranks, so to speak, and do the job for other people is, it can be tougher for some people as well. Yeah, I think so. And it's different for everybody, probably. If you feel yeah. motivation and you're happy with what you do, then yeah, then you can continue for, I don't know how long, until you can do it, maybe. But yeah, I think if you, if everybody always expecting also that you win a race, yeah, for example, Flash. Flash was not the, the best race for me because you start and actually the only thing you can do is losing it. Because, yeah, if you won it a couple of years, then people expect you to win again. Especially seven times, seven times on the trot. That's just unbelievable. They should name it after you. Yeah, well, but if you won it six times and then you're at the start line again. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's nice if you... If you then cross the line winning again, I mean, of course, that's nice. But then, yeah, next year, it's still, again, the same. Every year, again, you need to show that, that you are the best one again. And at one point, that, that was getting, yeah, harder for me. Like, why do I need to prove every, every year again the same? Only as good as your last race. That's such a big thing in cycling, isn't it? Which, yeah, can crack me sometimes. But So, you know, when you won your seventh one, Flash, did you go back the next year? Or... Is that when you retired? Um, I won it for the seventh time. And then this year I did it as a DS. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Finished like unbeaten. Unbeaten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is crazy if you think about it, but it was, yeah. I must say it was also good to, to, to be there in the car and, and like I say, be on the start line and then not, not having to do it again. The times when you're not winning easily, Anna, because I know winning is never easy, but you appeared sometimes to make it look easy. So that week in the 2017 Ardennes Classics, where you go, you win Amsterdam Gold, you win Flash Wallon, and then you win the Age Baston, the Age. There were points watching you in that 
where it appeared easy from the outside. Yeah, like you say, winning is never easy. And and the good the good thing was always that you couldn't really see when I was really tired or not, like a, a natural poker face. Inside, you're like screaming, but from the outside, it was more difficult to see. But yeah, that was a great year because it was also the first year then back then for Bulls Dolman, so a new team for me. Um, and I raced with uh, Lizzie Degnan, also all three classics and like... Yeah, having her also helping me for these three victories and then for a new team was actually crazy to to win three behind each other. Yeah. Does it start to change with your rivals when you're on a, a winning streak like that? Do people start to treat you differently in a race? Well, yeah, they they pay more attention. Yeah, of course, if you go, then then it's like nobody hesitates anymore when you attack. Then then they just all there's no hesitation, and that's chasing. Sl- changing slowly of course i mean first nobody knows you and then then you are in the breakaway for the first time and i remember that actually was i think Plouet, uh in france was a race and that was one of my first times being in the breakaway that one of uh, of the girls who was also in the breakaway asked me like after the finish line <laughs> who the fuck are you that she was so surprised that there was a girl in the breakaway she didn't know and then from then on she said like i'm gonna follow you <laughs> and i mean that's that's great to to do that for the first time so that's also for the young girls now in the team if they finally get more confidence that they can do it and they have a race like this and then for sure the next race big chance that they're also in the breakaway again because that that's giving you confidence and in the end, it's the same as starting to win races. First you think, yeah, maybe I can have a podium. And you have it, have it a couple of times. And then you have your first win. And that, that period, I must say, is uh, was one of the best in my career, just to feel that you are able to do it. Yeah, when you're a marked rider like that as well, it definitely is it's harder because everyone knows you and you're marked and they're like, oh, you know, she's won five times, she's won six times. But I think it can also work in your favour slightly if you're just not on quite a good day and you're slipping back a bit. They're like, oh, she's obviously bluffing. It's Anna. She's always good. Yeah. But that's the one good tiny perk and the fact that everyone's following you and everyone's looking at you is that certainly outweighs that positive. But I think, yeah, just being like, like for me, for instance, in the Commonwealth Games, I kind of felt like, yeah, everyone was obviously watching me. I was third in the in the tour and then went to the games and obviously yeah you, you're one of the guys everyone wants to sort of be with and follow so yeah to still be able to keep winning as you did was i think that's the most impressive thing because as everyone says you know getting to the top is hard but staying there is that's the hardest bit i think there was a Ryder cup guy who said winning it is so hard but to lose it is so easy and uh it's just so true in it like yeah like i think also people think it's like yeah, like you said before, you do it easy. But, I mean, it's it never feels easy. Every race again, you are nervous. And I think the more you win, the more the more difficult it gets to, to win it again. And getting to that stage where you're good enough to make it look easy is hard. You know, all those hours, all those efforts, all the time away from home, all the altitude and this and that. So, But it's nice. You can't, can't fault it when you make it look easy. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uh, the good thing. What would you say was your your toughest big win, Anna? So if you had a really good poker face, when was that poker face 
most required. Like I remember the 2018 Strada Bianchi and it was just, it was filthy, wasn't it? It was horrific conditions. Was that your toughest one or is there another one that stands out for you? Uh, for sure, that was one of the hardest, yeah. Because we had like, I think it was around two degrees and snow and the race almost got cancelled because of the snow and it was just cold. <laughs> Very cold. I remember I was wearing in the beginning like two rain jackets until I think until the final. Maybe I dropped one before, but then the real rain jacket I I threw away like with with 20k to go or something. So if you think about that, you never race in a rain jacket. I mean, yeah, I was going to say it's horrible taking kit off, isn't it? Because you know when you get to that stage where you start to sweat a bit under your jacket, and like, oh no. As soon as I take this off, I'm going to be so cold because I'm really wet and underneath now as well. I hate those days. Like those those decisions when you're, even when you're on the bus, you're like, oh, what are you wearing today? You're like you're asking <laughs> every every person what they're wearing, and oh, those decisions. Like everyone, nobody can decide. And then in the race, it's even worse. Yeah, especially the first race again of the new year in the spring. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's always the discussion again. Like, what do we wear? And if it's cold, then then you're changing for three times your choices. And in the end, it's never right. <laughs> Especially if you change the, the manufacturer of your kit or if you've moved teams. Oh, just getting to know like the new stuff and what's good and what's bad. And oh. Yeah, but also you have you have teammates who are like always hot and, and teammates who are always cold. And you need to find out if if <laughs> yeah. a hot teammate is wearing this, I can wear this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and that's difficult with new teammates. Like you think, ah, oh, they all wear not so much. So I probably, I wear too much. I was always a cold rider. I was wearing a lot of clothes. And then in the end, it's always <laughs> a difficult turning back question. What do we wear? All the riders never happy. You must have had a few of them always moaning. Never, but if it rains and it's cold, I mean, yeah, who likes it anyway? If it's in the end, it's fine, and then it's good, of course, and it makes uh, it makes the victory like even more, I don't know, heroic, <laughs> because you feel a tough girl. But yeah, it's never it's never nice if it starts raining already before the start, uh, and that you know you're gonna be soaked. Yeah, it's all uh, it's all mentally. You need to be ready for that. Where did your drive come from on those really tough days, Anna, like Strada in 2018, when, as you say, it's, it's horrible on a bike and no one in their right mind wants to be out in that. Where did your determination, your motivation come from to push through? Well, especially that year, I really was motivated to win that race because I never won it. I really loved the race. And I mean, you train the whole winter season for this. So actually, if it's raining or if it's not raining, I mean, yeah, you know, you're going to be cold, but everybody's going to be cold. So that's the motivation. Just no matter what happens, you need to win it. And that's that's really, yeah. When it's a race you've been targeting, it's, it's almost easier to do, isn't it? It's almost like, oh, it is what it is. Like you're so motivated for it. You're so ready for it. Whatever happened, the weather-wise is fine. It's more like, for instance, if you targeted something in August, end of August, and then you're still racing the end of September, and it's like similar weather, that's when it's like hard. That's when it's like, oh my, what am I doing here? But I mean, that is making the difference. It's exactly like what you say now, because also in August, when you still have some riders who are motivated and and feel that they are in shape, but didn't win a race yet, they don't care about the weather. Actually, they they know it's it's good for them because they are motivated. And then of course you have a lot of riders who think, yeah, my season 
they are in in the head they are already in the holiday and then yeah yeah you know half of the bunch is already uh, beaten so yeah yeah it's the best time of year if you've still got motivation you've still got good legs september october you can win some bike races and that's why i never have <laughs> <laughs> but one race that does stand out for me because i don't watch much bike racing like male or female one race i did watch and it's probably a sore point for you actually was the course in 2018 that was epic watching that obviously i bet you didn't really quite enjoy it well you didn't enjoy it as much as us that well you can tell the story but you basically you go over the last climb don't you and you drop down and then is it grand bonard yeah and you kind of do that left and it's kind of a drag to the finish the last k or so was it van vluten that was chasing you yeah yeah tom's nodding his head away yeah, yeah. but that was some finish wasn't it what, what was going through your head like because you, you didn't get much more than five seconds maybe did you but by the end it looked like you had it and then suddenly well not yeah sorry to bring this up no no it's good because i <laughs> i mean many people bring this up because they they watch the race and they i mean yeah if it's this excited that that makes like that makes people watch races so in the end uh, i was also pretty proud about it only the result i i would like to switch but yeah i mean i remember i didn't race um before that one for a for a longer period so it was the first race again and yeah it was just i was feeling good and i attacked but it like you said it was the the gap was never more than around 10 seconds i think 15 seconds maybe but I just, I, I forgot to eat. It was the first race again in a long time. And then also I think your body needs more than if you are already in the rhythm again. And I did it too late for sure. So at the point I was feeling it, I still remember I thought, oh my God, I forgot. And then you, you, you're too late. So I still took something, but it was like with 5K to go. Um, so yeah, I just keep pushing until the finish line because we were almost there. But in the end, there was that little, little bit uphill. And at that point, I was almost, yeah, I was seeing stars already, like it felt so bad. So I just, I tried to stand up and sprint because then I still would have won. If I could sprint, I would have won. But I stand up and I just, it was black. So I could not, my legs were just not not able to stand anymore. Because when did, when did Van Vluten catch up? It's literally like 50 meters to go, no? I you think, even I think with, with two meters to go. <laughs> literally oh, on the line she she just passed me so yeah it was a exciting race but also a bit painful what was your what was your ds saying in your ear in those final 100 or 200 meters yeah that's uh, i think more about that but that that actually uh, is a strange thing because now as because i'm a ds myself i try to remember what what they said before in races but it's really difficult like you forget really fast he probably said, just just keep on going and, and like, yeah. Yeah, when you've got lactate up to your eyeballs, you can't really hear what they're saying, can you? It's just more just like trying to get to that line thinking 200 meters has never seemed so far. I mean, yeah, you know by yourself that you need to keep pushing until the line and and hopefully uh, the person behind you is giving up and you come closer. But it's like, uh, you know, with Anamik, she's never giving up. And at this point, that was... I must say that was also really impressive that you, until that point, don't give up. How come you Dutch girls are so good? Like you, you've dominated women's cycling for, well, a long time, really. What, what's with that? How come is, is that because you've got a lot of bike paths and everyone rides their bikes? Like, I don't know. It's just <laughs> mad, isn't it? The setup you got must be good. Like 
the men are obviously good as well but like the women are phenomenal yeah i mean we get that question of course a lot why is women cycling in the netherlands so outstanding or so developed but i yeah of course it's it's a part that we ride bikes from when we're young and we also have clubs to go to so for me actually when i was young there were more girls on the club than than boys okay and that's a big difference where was that then where where in 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 my in my own town there was a club there were many clubs actually so yeah if you talk to um to riders from different countries then then they also said like yeah for women's on the bike especially like 10 years ago 15 years ago was not really it's not was not something you were doing so that makes a difference for sure that that there are less yeah less good riders from different countries but you see it changing also a bit now if you if you look to the young girls yeah you see more countries like having good riders having more professional teams uh development teams so i think it will change but still yeah especially why are there so many good riders from the netherlands i i don't know it must be at some point it must be a virtuous circle because young girls would be inspired by the wins of the generation above and then they're more likely to become riders and then the process repeats itself yeah that that can be a reason but also like now with so many more broadcasts um i think that can work also from for other countries like cycling is more international now so they also yeah girls from spain or, or whatever which country scotland they also can watch television now and see that that there are women uh, racing a bike race also for example to the front since this year so it, it might change things it's definitely getting bigger and bigger isn't it like like you say with the tour de france and especially having it straight after the men's run as well not clashing with it or you know competing with it almost it's got its own separate thing and it must have been really good like what were your feelings watching that you must have been a bit like well i don't know what i don't want to guess what you're thinking but no, I must say I'm really happy that it's finally there for the reason like like we're talking about. It is it's people can watch it on television and many races already people get angry that they cannot watch it and now we have a Tour de France. So actually if if, if you meet somebody and, and they have no clue about cycling, they ask you, Oh, do you also do Tour de France? And uh, yeah, of course yeah. we always have to say like, Yeah, we have no Tour de France for women. So now we can say yes, yeah, I cannot say it anymore, but girls can say yes did you wish you were you were there still racing when you were watching it no no because i i, I mean i was there and i did the race but actually i'm also like to the france is big also for journalists for publicity for interviews it's a really busy busy race and i always like the races like giro it's smaller organization okay is is maybe at some points worse or less good um but also more quiet like you race and that's there's the focus about and if you see what what kind of stuff is coming also into the france then then that kind of things i didn't really like as a rider that you that you have to spend one hour of interviews before the race yeah, and people like tom <laughs> it, it makes sense because if people watch the race they have an opinion about it and they want to talk about it so it's it's a good thing but it was never my favorite What's your relationship like with riding a bike now, Anna? So you said that you you knew it was the right time to finish riding professionally, but do you still find a pleasure in, in riding your bike for fun? Yeah, I still like riding a lot, especially because it's not training anymore. So it doesn't matter how hard I pedal 
or how long I go, or if I skip two days or three days or a week, it, it really doesn't matter. So I really like to go when I'm with the team. Uh, we have pretty much staff that also likes to go on the bike. So we make sometimes laps. I ride with the girls before the races on training camps. Um, that kind of stuff I really like. Not when they do intervals. That's not possible anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's a good way of like really getting to know them as well, isn't it? Like, Because for me, for some people, it's a lot easier, me included. It's easier to get to know someone more when you're on the bike for some reason, rather than just like sat across the table from each other with, you know, a sparkling water, just looking into each other's eyes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, it's a lot like, more chilled, isn't it, on a bike? That's a really, really big point, actually. I don't know why, but when you're on the bike, it's also like a private conversation because you ride next to each other and then you change again. But you have conversations like you, you don't have it on the table where everybody can listen or it's just different. And at the same time, I do some exercise so I don't get too fat, which is a win-win situation. <laughs> just, I was going to ask about that because that's one thing that I'm sort of fearful when I stop. It's getting fat, real fat too quick. But did you did you have a phase where you were just like, oh, you know, I'm going to eat everything, you know, I'm going to have burgers and pizzas and chocolate, this and that. And then after a while, just sort of think, oh, no, I need to get... Is it hard? To, what, what I'm trying to ask is, is it hard to get into a normal sort of routine, a normal life routine? Because for me, it's kind of, at the moment, it's either ultra on it and, you know, uh, salad, fish, you know, weighing my pasta, or it's completely off the wagon, you know, drinking and all sorts so was it easy to find that middle ground that like sort of normal life balance of it all yeah well actually i also had no clue i was a bit curious how it would be if you don't ride that much anymore and you change yeah you change the food but i mean i was not that strict as a rider also not i had like when i was focusing on it i focus for a week and then i eat something i really like or you know have some bad stuff also so yeah, the first part I did, I did more than usual, of course. I, I didn't care at all. And I gained some weight, but I must say you also eat less because if you, if you skip training, like, like I did before, you, yeah, I just need less. I, I feel, I feel good without, without food sometimes. And that was before, like if you didn't eat for one hour, mom, that was not good. <laughs> then then you, you are hungry again. Yeah, saying that now just reminds me when I'm like in the off season, you might not be hungry. You're looking at your watch. Oh, it's half one, two o'clock. I need to have lunch. Even though you're not hungry, you're just like, yeah, I've got to have lunch. It's, it's lunchtime. So you have a burger and then like seven, eight o'clock comes around. You're like, wow, I'm not really hungry, but dinner time. I've got to eat. <laughs> That's my problem. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I mean, skip a few minutes. As a writer, you're always worried about food. If you travel, you bring mm. food. You eat everything you bring always. It's hard, and now I just I I leave, and if if I have no food for a couple of hours, I'm fine actually. So, <laughs> yeah, that's good. I mean, I, I I like to drink some more sometimes. I eat more bad things sometimes, but also some periods periods just normal, and I think about it. So it's 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 not that difficult. I expect it to be to be more difficult, but it's not too bad. I've got a question for you, actually, Geraint. Um because when I think about seeing Anna, you and your Dutch teammates at a world championships, I always think the Dutch national jersey is absolutely right up there as one of the most aesthetically pleasing national jerseys. You might have the French ones always really nice and the Italian. What would you say, G? Yeah, the Dutch one this year was, wasn't, you know, was that faded? It must have been the material they had. Like, But normally, yeah, the Dutch one is class. The Italian one is also nice. 
our one uh, I can't think of one that's ever been that good to be honest do you remember the green one back in the day yes so basically so I was maybe 14 and I got selected I had this letter through selected to race for GB in Tor Berlin but it was English schools so we had British Cycling one organisation and a different organisation was English schools Welsh schools Scottish schools but it was the English schools organising this trip but they still asked me so I went along and uh, <laughs> I don't know if you can see the background it's Max tiptoeing trying to be quiet <laughs> um, and yeah so I go out to Berlin and then we're like all excited to represent GB have I told you this story Tom? no so we're in we're, we're in the dressing rooms ready to get going the boys had talked me into shaving my legs like I'd never shaved my legs before <laughs> did it in a what are they called? Portaloo did it in Portaloo in the dark come out with all patches and blood and everything <laughs> wasn't the best yeah anyway get the jer- they bring the jerseys out it's these English flag jerseys just like and if it's basically like I don't know telling the, someone from the Netherlands that they're German or something you know it's like the big rival you don't do it so being from Wales getting this English jersey to ride I was like what the hell <laughs> anyway I wore it we raced and whatever but then we when we got home my dad bought me like a British cycling jersey as like a oh yeah well it was for GB so here you go here's a jersey and it was that green one the yeah. most horrendous GB jersey I think they've <laughs> ever done but to me it's got that little bit of like yeah that was still a nice one I had it framed and everything it's in my mum and dad's house still but nice almost. Do you, have you kept some of your, your uh, jerseys, Anna? Are they up around your house or has that part of your life just been, not pushed to the side, but just been moved away from there? Oh, I mean, I downstairs, not so much, but I have it upstairs. I also have a bike where I can go on Swift and I have a small gym, which I never use, but like uh, <laughs> upstairs I have that kind of stuff. And then they're also hanging some jerseys from World's Giro, well, the special ones. So, yeah. it's nice to keep them all in one place isn't it rather than scattered throughout the whole house because that's what we've done I've just got this one room basically where you have all the memorabilia and stuff and nice then yeah like walking back in time sometimes isn't it like yeah I mean it's it's it still inspires when you when you go on the bike and you see that that is still making me uh, a little bit faster when I get on my bike <laughs> I have got a request Anna before we say goodbye to you um, so Geraint and I and everyone who listens to the GTCC who likes to um, can get together on a group ride on Zwift at six o'clock on a Wednesday evening so if you happen to be at home seven in Europe, Europe seven in Europe if you happen to be at home at seven o'clock your time um, on a Wednesday night would you fancy joining us for a Zwift ride yeah of course I will and I mean it, it it's a good timing for me it's nice to do it in the evening and the weather is also getting pretty bad now. So, uh, yeah, it's a, I, I will do some, some riding also upstairs on Swift. Nice. It's a date. Just go easy on us, though. <laughs> I it's, mean, a, it's a nice it, it social ride. It always feels hard there. And it's always like that everybody's going faster than me. So easy sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. Well, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate your time. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. Thanks, it was nice chatting to you also. Tom, we've got a new sponsor for season three and I think we're all going to benefit from this one. Yeah, we know how much you all love coffee, especially on a bike ride. So we've only gone and partnered up with Origin Coffee. Not only that, but we've got you a very chunky discount too. Not a bad start to the season from our chairperson. 
Yeah, gee, I'm on it from the word go, you know that. A little bit about Origin Coffee then. So they're pioneers in sourcing and roasting some of the highest quality specialty coffee on the market today. In fact, they launch a new coffee every week. Right, so how are we getting our hands on this to taste then, G? Well, I've already done that for you. I've tried Resolute. I would describe it as chocolate, stone fruit, bit of caramel. Have you just read that off the label? Yeah. But I did choose it because it's no nonsense. It's just a classic proper coffee, you know? If you want to try Origin Coffee, just like G, you can get 30% off all coffee and pods by going to origincoffee.co.uk and using the code GTCC30 at checkout. All online orders are roasted and shipped the same day and they have a rewards program so customers can earn points and get cash back every time they shop online. That's code GTCC30 at checkout. Go and get yours today. Enjoy. Tom, Zwift are back for their third season sponsoring the GTCC. Which means our Wednesday 6pm group rides continue. Exactly. Just hop on your trainer, open up the Zwift app and join the group ride. You get to ride alongside us, all our club members and wear the in-game GTCC jersey. And if you're new to Zwift, just go to Zwift.com to start your free trial today. During this season of the pod, we're going to be walking you through all the new stuff we've been trying out on the app. Just think of us as your testing team. So Chairman Tom, what have you been trying this week? This week, G, I have been riding headfirst into clubs on Zwift. Did you know you can join up to 10 clubs and you can have up to 10,000 people in one club? There's also a new recommendation setting too to help you find them more easily and find like-minded communities. In your club, you can create club rides, races, structured group workouts. So I reckon, G, it's probably about time we got an official GTCC club going on Swift. We'll be able to send you all notifications to keep you in the loop about what's happening. Sound good, G? It does indeed, Tom. And big news for this Wednesday's club ride at 6pm UK time. I'm going to be leading it and I'll be joined by this week's podcast, Anna van der Breggen. Massive. See you all Wednesday. Tom, it's time for any other business. Last week, we asked our members to get in touch about any merch they fancied for season three. Any good suggestions? We've certainly had some suggestions, G. Nick Lane has asked for, quote, G-strings. Um, which is it's put an absolutely horrific image in my mind. I'm assuming you don't own any G-strings that could be used as the basis for this. Was your image of me in a G-string? Or? It was, unfortunately, yeah, and I, I feel quite nauseous now you've actually articulated it. <laughs> oh, mate, I can pull a G-string off. I've got a few. I don't really, but maybe he is joking. But, you know, I'm, well, I'm, all ideas are, this is a safe place. That's what I'm after, but... I'm not sure I'll be wearing it. Nick, watch this space. In the meantime, I know we mentioned the Gigelet. That has proved so far the most popular of all, unsurprisingly. Yeah, it's just got to be done, I guess, haven't it? it? People still mention it to me whenever they see me. So one of those things, definitely uh, get that on the line. But I think, was there something about white socks as well? I'm sure I saw something about white socks. Yeah, so we're not entirely sure. When people are asking for white socks, I know some people like white socks on the bike. I think they are more likely to mean that rather than your sort of your classic sports socks. Yeah, I'm, when it comes to cycling, I'm a white sock type of guy. The only problem with white socks is they get they turn grey quite quickly with me. I don't know if that's my um, washing machine process doing that. I don't know, but it probably is. 
but yeah, White Sox, I think that's a good that's a good shout. The only issue I can foresee with White Sox, Garen, is that there is often a lot of debate in cycling circles about the correct height of a sock that's worn on the bike because there are some people who would commit murder rather than wear an ankle sock, whereas you get some people who don't mind a sort of all the way up to the knee job. Yeah, no, a good bit of height is good, but that's the length of them, surely, not the colour. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, no, yeah, you got to have a good bit of height. But each to their own. Whatever you want to do. This is a this is a club. Welcome to all. If you if you're an ankle biter or you're a knee muncher, I don't know what you do <laughs> at the knees. But uh, yeah, do what you want. Okay, and here's one that I can really get down with: a new colour for the hoodie. Now the hoodie has come back out of the wardrobe now that the British autumn has really kicked in. Super cosy. I wear mine heaps. The first one was grey. That's fine. What are we thinking for the next colourway? Classic dark blue? Yeah, that is a classic. Oh, what about red? Ooh. One you can wear to the rugby, if you're Welsh. Yeah, I think blue's probably... I'm trying to think of... Yellow's a bit out there, isn't it? Yeah, punchy, yeah. Maybe in 2018 we might have launched with a yellow one, but years, yeah. have, years have gone um, by. Or maybe like a, a sort of a forest green. Ooh. I'm only saying that because I'm looking out my window at a tree now, but... <laughs> Yeah, take your inspiration from where you can. What sort of green, though? So, so it's quite a dark forest. Are we talking like a pine forest or deciduous? Not sure what deciduous is, but um, <laughs> pine I'll go for, yeah. Okay. Well, maybe we'll have a little vote on our socials. If you fancy the dark blue, let us know. If you fancy the uh, deciduous slash pine forest green, let us know. Or if you're an outlier and you fancy either the yellow or the red, do let us know. Right, next item for you, G. Last week, our chips and gravy chat started quite the debate. So here is another one for you. Now, I'm not massively a roast dinner man on account of not eating meat. So help me put together the ultimate GTCC Sunday roast. Tom, I feel sorry for you. You Like, a roast dinner is my... If I'm on death row, that's what I'm having for my main. Constituent parts, what are you having? Beef? Go lamb, actually. Mm. Plenty of mint sauce, lamb. Oh, lovely. Bang in that. Number of potatoes? I'd rather go just all roasties than don't fill up on a boiled potato. A bit boring, that. Just roasties. Bit of mash, maybe, just to mix it up. All the trimmings, though. And you got to have crisp, you know, pigs in blankets and all that. Like if I'm on, on death row. On a standard row, I mean, roast? No, not on a standard one, but this is a death row roast. Okay. <laughs> Good name for ban that. <laughs> Everything, mate. Bit of roasted uh, turnips. Can't beat a bit of that. Carrots? Oh, yeah, definitely carrots, yeah, peas. I like a bit of roasted carrot. So you're like going baton veg. rather than disc? Yeah, yeah. Um, or if you go to one of those posh places and they've still got the green sort of hair on it, you know what I mean? The posh hair. carrot? <laughs> They're nice. I always feel slightly <laughs> like Peter Rabbit when I eat one of those. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else is there? Like Yorkshire pudding. Like, You know, is that just beef you're supposed to have that with? I'm out of my comfort zone here, but I think you probably make them with the beef fat ideally okay okay stick it in yeah. you can make one with lamb fat lamb's quite nice and fatty isn't it so okay you've got some roasties in there um anything that's verboten anything that is not making the death row roast no not really i'm just adding everything onto it i'll have a few meats to be fair cauliflower cheese definitely have that um, separate plate to that so it doesn't get infected oh, by the gravy or not no no everywhere lashings of gravy <laughs> everywhere i'd have a couple of meats as well though you know like when you used to go well you wouldn't but like toby carvery They'd just be like, oh, all three meats, please, mate. Bang it all on as much as you can get. Oh, yeah, I, I, I love a roast dinner, Tom. I, I What's your ideal worth... Christmas meat? Uh, we have turkey, 
But then Saad doesn't like turkey, so there's always a beef as well. So we have turkey and beef. Lovely. Well, join us next week for the next edition of Geraint's Favourite Meats. In the meantime, Stobzy <laughs> has got in touch to ask, are you planning to do a tour of the GTCC? Almost definitely. It's been spoke about, haven't it? A live tour. Yeah. Um, not sure when, but yeah, that would be good to do. Definitely. Probably needs to wait until we know exactly when you're going to retire. And then they always say, don't they, when you retire, that you need a project to work on. So I don't think you want to leave it too long after you step away from the bike. And then you can sort of throw all your energies into organising a tour of the country. What would we have on this live stage tour, do you think? Oh, I don't know. What For a start, how many would we do? Are we going to go like full on, like as if we're like massive artists and just doing like 10 shows in 12 days? <laughs> do we get a tour bus? Oh, we'll have to, won't we? we? I'm sure we can borrow the Ineos bus if it's out of racing season. What about Dave <coughs> B's infamous massive camper van? Yeah, I can't see us getting that one, to be honest. It, the last time I saw it, it was sinking in the mud at Nice Football Stadium, so it might be uh, still there. Oh, let's be honest, it's probably going to be a minibus, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I think we need help with this, Stobsy, and everyone else who listens to the GTCC. So let us know what you fancy from the podcast on tour, and me and G can get planning. Yeah, quality, let's get on it. Cheers, Tom. See you next week. See you then. That was the Garrett Thomas Cycling Club. Thanks to Club Secretary Louise Gwilliam, Heads of Music Emma Hickman and Frank Beecher, Head of Social Archie Biltcliffe, and our Honorary President Mike Carr. But most of all, thanks to you for listening. We'll see you next time. Ciao, ciao. Crowd Network. A place where you belong.